In any investigation, the first 48 hours are critical. And the stakes are even higher when those investigations involve homicides. That's the reason, usually in this instant, uh, it's an all-out red alert to try to get as many bases covered as you can right away. Because the older it gets, the tougher it gets. Unless you, you know, unless there's something like a, a DNA or you know, some suspect that we can get a DNA test on. Gary Frank has been the district attorney in Davidson County, North Carolina, for 22 years. He has a lot of experience prosecuting criminal cases in court, but it's the cases that don't make it that far, or at least haven't made it that far yet, that weigh heavily on him and the investigators his office works so closely with. You know, in the first several years, we had multiple uh, meetings with everybody involved, and uh, let's go over this, you know, and, and try to point some ways. Been some creative attempts at investigation. Uh, it's just it's just not panned out yet to where something has developed strong enough to go forward. Yeah, and that has to be frustrating for the the folks who are working so hard on the case. It, it, it is. I mean, a lot of them are gone now. A lot of the people that worked hard on it, and then, and then that that requires the next person to completely re-educate themselves on the matter. Uh, and the, the file's pretty extensive on what all has been done and who has been talked to. The case he's referring to is one that stuck with a lot of people in this small community. Nancy Harvey, a 52-year-old grandmother, found brutally murdered inside her used car business, Atlanta Car Company. I'm Fox 8's Katie Nordine, and this is Who Killed Grandma Nancy? Should we just go ahead and get... When I called Frank okay. and told him I was working right. on a story about this cold case from January 2013, he agreed to speak with us right away. But you felt very strongly about participating in this story because you are hoping that it keeps right until until it's solved. I don't want it to ever go away. I mean, the public needs to have this on their mind. Law enforcement needs to have this on their mind, and that that's the same for any unsolved homicide, but particularly this one based on the way it's, it's been developed. Captain Corey Mann over at the Sheriff's Department says everyone in his office feels the same way, but this case has been different from so many of the others he's worked. In a perfect world, you would be able to solve every crime within a day, right? I mean, what, what makes cases like this so challenging, or are they all challenging? Whenever we have a homicide like this where there are absolutely no witnesses other than the ones that committed the offense, those make it very difficult. Um, with little to go on, nobody talking, um, no one having any other information that they're coming forward with, it, it, that's what makes this so challenging. Um, and it, it does, it puts a toll on you. I mean, when you drive by, is it still something oh, yes. you think about? Every time, every time. And I mean, that's a very normal traveled route for us um, and a lot of us were here then you know a lot of people have left and since retired out of the detective division that worked that case um, but every time you go by it you look at it and you're like hey that was once pretty thriving you know a good business in Lexington for used vehicles and and whatever else but now it's just a, a vacant broken window lot so it's very very sad very surreal
like this hall is getting this one that one. So you've never been by this place? I've never time? actually been there. I pulled it up on um, Google Maps. I had never been to the place where all of this happened. So one afternoon, news photojournalist Chris Weaver and I decided to take a drive to Lexington and see the property for ourselves. So how far is it from where we are now? Uh, Probably two miles, just like two miles up MLK or Highway 8. I should mention that after Harvey's death, her family took over the business. They ran it for a few years before liquidating it, but we'll talk more about that in our next episode. But now, what used to be Atlanta Car Company sits vacant, and property records we dug up show it's owned by two guys in Virginia. Chris happens to be from Davidson County, so he's really familiar with this particular area. I mean, uh, car lot central up through here. Always has been. If you need a used car in Lexington. This is where you want to be. This is it. The car lot itself is large and looks forgotten. The signage out front still reads Atlanta Car Company, but the weeds that have found their way through the cracks in the pavement and the overgrown grass make it clear that this is not what it used to be. The most jarring site is the main office itself. That's where Harvey was murdered. And then right here in this building, just across from Walser Road, is where the uh, crime happened. Right here in this building. Right there. Just as Captain Mann had said, a couple of the windows are smashed. The front gutter now dangles from the edge of the roof and rests on the pavement below, another obvious sign of years of neglect. But it became obvious, not everyone is neglecting this space. We noticed the back door has been pushed open and from our vantage point outside, we could tell people, maybe just bored kids, have rummaged through the papers and office furniture left behind. Wow. I have to admit it's eerie being outside of the building where I know something so horrible happened inside. Obviously people have been in there just kind of exploring. I mean, there's paper and- Captain Mann experiences that, but to an even greater degree. Absolutely. You can uh, you can still see the images, you know, you close your eyes, you can see the images. Or sitting here talking to you, I can see the images. Um, just, they were, they were brutal. They were very brutal. January 25th, 2013. That's a morning seared into Captain Mann's mind. He was one of the detectives on the scene that day. Has, has the, the, Sheriff's Department ever officially said what, you know, you guys, what the detectives think happened to Nancy Harvey? No, ma'am. I know the autopsy report, it it was released. Um, I know you guys did an article on it, Lexington Dispatch did an article on it. So reading through that, of course, you can see the the brutality that was involved in that crime. Um, Blunt force trauma, zip ties, uh, bleach. So it was, just very, I mean, it's heartbreaking to see that happen to anybody and, you know, it being a businesswoman, prominent businesswoman here in Lexington is just uh, really tough. How long were you out at the crime scene? Was it hours, days? Between um, being at the business and being at the vehicle, uh, I know we worked almost 72 hours straight. Uh, We worked through that weekend because I think this happened on a Friday, if I'm not mistaken. And we worked through that weekend uh, pretty much nonstop. He mentioned the vehicle, and that's one thing we haven't covered yet. Harvey's car was found about two miles up the road from Atlanta Car Company on old U.S. Highway 52. 
It was parked on a service road that feeds into a couple of businesses and within walking distance to the main Highway 52 bypass. If you take that road north, you'll end up in Winston-Salem and south will bring you to Charlotte, although that's a little farther away. Investigators have never said how they think Harvey's car got there. Yeah, and, and we wanted to, of course, look in, in that vehicle and look around it for any possible uh, bits of evidence. I mean, go through that thing with a fine-tooth comb, trying to find hair, fingerprints, sweat, blood, anything that we can find to try to link someone to this. And did you, did you find anything in that car that was of interest? There, there was evidence collected. All that evidence has been submitted. I can't really dive in too much into the evidentiary portion. Speaking of evidence, the most compelling piece didn't come out publicly until three years after Harvey's murder. In 2016, then-Sheriff David Grice called a news conference and released the video. It turns out he and his investigators had it in their hands all along. Coming around behind the car company, you see this individual has a firearm, this one has a firearm, this one has a holster on the firearm. One of Harvey's surveillance cameras outside Atlanta Car Company captured the chilling video on December 4, 2012. That's just 52 days before she would be found murdered. According to the timestamp, it was 7.11 p.m., making it just after closing time. You should really watch this video for yourself on our website, myfox8.com, but I'll do my best to describe it to you here in the meantime. Now keep in mind this footage shows just a small area of the parking lot beside Atlanta Car Company, so it's impossible to know what's going on beyond the camera's reach. The video is somewhat grainy, but it's the typical quality you'd probably expect from outdoor night surveillance. In it, we see three people come around a parked car. They appear nervous, or at least very aware of their surroundings. The guy in front is wearing a ski mask, the kind that covers your entire head with two holes for the eyes and one big hole for the mouth. The other two follow behind, wearing masks over their faces and hoodies covering the tops of their heads. Those two have on tactical vests, while the guy in front, the one who appears to be leading things, carries some sort of bag. All three appear to be armed with guns. Here again is longtime district attorney Gary Frank. Puts an interesting twist on this case uh, that, uh, you know, that we have apparently a group of folks with ill will and intent on the premises earlier. Uh, so it, it, it sort of spins a different aspect to this. That's the reason I say this apparently was not happenstance. Yeah. You know, it wasn't something that someone just on the spur of the moment decided to get involved in this. Uh, and that, that video is, and, and we've looked at that over and over and over and over again. So. What I think makes this video even more chilling for me is the fact that it was Harvey herself who turned it over to investigators. You see, a neighbor reported to Harvey seeing something fishy the night before outside the business and suggested that she may want to check her cameras. As soon as Harvey saw the footage, she turned it over to the sheriff's department, but according to them, nothing was taken and she declined any sort of extra attention. I asked Captain Mann about that again when he and I met to talk about this case. But for whatever reason, Nancy, back when it happened, alerted the sheriff's department. Dave, uh, Sheriff Grice or, or whomever said, hey, do you want us to do some additional checks or something? And she said, not necessary. She said, not necessary. Like I said, she was a very, very tough woman from everything we heard. And either 
whether she felt like she could handle it or whether she felt like it wasn't really a threat or if it was a fluke, we don't know. We never got to ask her, you know, and unfortunately she's the only witness other than the people that committed the act that, um, that were involved. Investigators say Harvey's cameras didn't capture anything out of the norm between the time it recorded the suspicious men in mid-December and the time of Harvey's murder in late January. Captain Mann says the sheriff's office still has a lot of questions about that surveillance video, but one thing appears very clear. They are sure it holds the answer to the years-long mystery of who killed Nancy Harvey. With the, um, the three known people that stacked on the side of the building, like say they were totally covered head to toe, we have no facial recognition for any of them, um, can't identify any, any of the three. And those are just the three that are known. Who knows if there was another person in a, in a vehicle ready to pick them up if they did go through with the robbery um, or if it was just a dry run to see what kind of traffic was coming through. You never know. Um, so but we are fairly confident, you know, that those three people either were involved with the actual murder and robbery or they have knowledge of that murder and robbery. Um, the, the incidents is being so close together uh, within a month, basically, of when they were stacking on the side of the building to the actual offense that occurred on January 25th. Do you think that the people who did this are still in Davidson, in the Piedmont Triad? I'm not sure. Okay, hard to say. I hope they see it. I hope they see the, the interview and I hope that they feel guilty once this is re-aired and brought back to light. and. Maybe then, maybe then we can get some justice for Miss Harvey and her family. And her family told me they desperately want that too, especially for Harvey's grandchildren, like Daisy, who was just 12 when her grandma was taken from her. It was at that moment she went from a 12-year-old to a complete and total adult. And again, to, to watch the innocence rip out of her is probably one of the worst things I've ever had to do was to take it away by telling her the truth. In our next episode, the turmoil Harvey's family has gone through just to try to get some answers. The theory behind it all, always was, as long as it's open, people are driving by it and they'll say that that's that place. And at, at least her name would hopefully still be out there in somebody's mind and there would be some conversation about it. What it took for them to finally find a bit of peace. It took a lot of family counseling and, and other items in order for us to get through this together as a, as a group. We had to, I won't say be torn apart, but we had to get our own separation at times and come back together and as a stronger bond, but it took a lot. We're hoping you can help investigators. Even the, the smallest piece can make a difference. Um, you know. If anyone does have any, any information whatsoever, we ask them to let us know because it can fill in a gap that we have between people or locations or things. Um, the only information that's unusable is the information we don't get. If you have any information, even the smallest detail can help, call this number. 336-242-2105. Your clue could help solve this crime. Make sure to go to myfox8.com and search for Who Killed Grandma Nancy to watch that surveillance video. 
And if you like this podcast, please give it a five-star rating, comment on it, and share it with a friend. The more people who hear it, the more likely it is that this murder will get solved. Who Killed Grandma Nancy is a Fox 8 WGHP production written and produced by me, Katie Nordine. Our editor and co-producer is Chris Weaver, and Kevin Daniels is our executive producer. 